0: Welcome to our weekly podcast, Torah podcast. This week's Torah portion is Parshas V'eschanan, Shabbos Nachamu, the Shabbos after Tishabov. This podcast is dedicated in memory of Mr. Harold Pasternak, Herschel Ben David, father of our good friend Michael Pasternak. It may be an aliyah for his neshama. Beginning of the Torah portion this week, Moshe tells the Jewish people, V'eschanan el Hashem ba'esahil LeMor. I entreated and implored Hashem at that time, saying, Hashem, you've begun to show your servant, your greatness, and your strong hand. Please let me cross and see the good land, that is on the other side of the Jordan River. The beautiful mountain in the Lebanon. However, Hashem became angry at me, for your sake. Do not listen to me. And Hashem said to me, It is too much for you. Don't continue to speak to me about this matter anymore. Now, several interesting points in this first few passages. The rabbis tell us that Moshe, the interesting terminology of Eschanan, didn't say Vespalal. that I prayed at that time, but I implored, I entreated before the Almighty to please let me cross and go into the land. The rabbis tell us that Moshe prayed 515 prayers, the numerical value of the word Eschanan, 515 prayers to be allowed to enter into the Holy Land. And eventually, Hashem told him, no, I'm not going to do it for your sake, for the sake of the Jewish people which is kind of strange what that's supposed to mean. He's not going to let him go in for the sake of the Jewish people? And then God tells them, don't talk to me about it anymore either for that matter. Now, at first glance, this sounds like a child whining, complaining to the parent. The parent says, enough already. I don't want to hear from you anymore. That doesn't really make any sense over here. First of all, Moshe understood himself quite clearly the significance of the prayer. If he felt that it was it was inappropriate, he would have stopped earlier. The fact that he kept on praying 515 times implies that he thought there would be something to be benefited from it. And if indeed God didn't want to hear from him anymore, so why does God have to tell him, stop, don't talk about it anymore? God just doesn't have to answer the prayer. What, is, what does God care if Moshe keeps on tenu- continues to pray. And also, as I mentioned, what does it mean to say that God became angry at me because of you or for your sake? What is that supposed to mean exactly? We see a very important principle over here. This is already alluded to in the very beginning of the Torah, when the Torah says after the days of creation that there was no that the after Hashem had created all the vegetable and vegetation and everything, it did not yet sprout forth because there was no man to work the fields. The rabbis tell us what that means to say is there was no man to pray for this for the vegetation to sprout. In other words, when Hashem made the world, He made the world with a force called prayer in order for things to get accomplished, in order for things to, to have to come into existence, prayer would be necessary. Certainly, there might be requirements also of physical labor, watering the plants, for example, feeding different, weeding different types of things also. But prayer is also an important component. It's a similar idea that the rabbis tell us that the matriarchs, Sarah, Rivka, Rachel, and Leah, were all barren. And the rabbis wonder, why did God make all the matriarchs barren? They had difficulty having children. And the midrash tells us, because, HaKadosh The Almighty wants and desires the prayers of the righteous. Now, this is not merely a matter of, of some element of cruelty, sadism, that I'm not going to give it to you because I want to hear you pray. The understanding is that because prayer was a necessary component in order to be able to bring things into existence, to bring things into reality. And the Almighty wanted their prayers because He understood the necessity and the efficacy of prayer. And how beneficial it would be, not only for God. God doesn't need the prayer, of course. But how beneficial it would be for the world, for the matriarchs themselves and for the rest of the world through their prayer. And therefore, God held off giving them children until they would pray. And then He gave them children. That's understanding over here, too. Moshe understood the efficacy of prayer, how, prayer, how powerful prayer is. And that's the reason Moshe prayed. And when he saw that he was not allowed to enter into the, into the land, he prayed again and again and again, assuming perhaps that this is what Hashem wants for me. He told me I can't go into the land, perhaps he'll, change, perhaps he'll have a change of mind if I pray. The same manner that a person prays for somebody that might be ill. Certainly it was the Almighty's will that the person become ill in the first place. But the reason why we pray is because is an understanding, perhaps, with prayer, that's what God wants, to hear the prayer, in order to be able to bring about a recovery to the person that might be ill. That's the understanding here, too. Moshe prayed again and again 515 times. It's interesting, 515 is also the numerical value of the word tefila, prayer. It's also the numerical value of the word shira, song. These are all different expressions of prayer. He prayed 515 times to be able to, be able to be allowed to enter into the land of Israel. So finally God told him, I don't want to hear you speak about it anymore. The Midrash tells us a fascinating thing. The Almighty is telling Moshe that your prayer is so powerful, one more prayer might be what's necessary to tip the scales. One more prayer might push me to change my decree and allow you to enter into the land. I don't want that to happen. Therefore, I ask you, please don't pray to me anymore. Why doesn't God want it to happen? There's an interesting midrash. The midrash tells us that had Moshe entered the land of Israel, he would have ultimately built the temple. And had Moshe built the temple, it would have been permanent. If the temple would have been permanent, later on, when the Jewish people sinned, God would have gotten angry. And instead of spilling his anger on the sticks and stones of the temple, he would have been forced to show to, to sh, to sh, to his anger and to decimate the people themselves. And God had compassion on the people. That's why he destroyed the temple. And God told Moshe, please, Moshe, don't pray anymore. Because if you pray anymore, I'll have to allow you to enter into the land. If you enter into the land and build a temple, then I'll, I'll have no choice in the future when the Jewish people sin, I'll have no choice but to destroy the nation rather than to destroy the temple. And that wouldn't be good. And that's why God tells them." That's what Moshe tells the Jewish people, rather. The Almighty got angry at me for your sake, for your sake, because he wanted to spare you in the future. That's why the Almighty got angry at me. That's why the Almighty said, I'm not going to let you enter into the land. I don't want you to pray anymore. Any more prayers might be the one to push me over to, so to say, to allow you to enter into the land. And for the sake of the Jewish people, that would not be beneficial. This is a fascinating idea in general. The concept that everything that happens in this world, no matter how difficult it might seem, ultimately is for the benefit. Ultimately, it's for the good. The famous words of Rabbi Akiva, Rabbi Akiva said, the command amrachmona the it, whatever the Almighty does is for the good. Now, obviously, as human beings, we are not capable of understanding that. We see things, We see we see contradictions in the world, we see conflict we see the righteous suffer we see the wicked prosper these are questions that have always that have always stretched man's understanding and and and, and bothered man how could it be how's it possible but that we have an understanding that that's only because we see only a piece of the picture of d'eslus as an interesting analogy imagine a person peeking through a keyhole and he sees a pen writing on a piece of paper he thinks to himself, that's fascinating. How can a pen write on a piece of paper by itself? He looks a little bit more, though, and he sees there are fingers around the pen. So it's the, pen's not, the pen, not the pen writing, it's the fingers writing. But that's still fascinating. How can fingers, detached from anything else, write on their own? When he sees a little bit more, though, he sees the fingers are attached to an arm. And eventually the arm is attached to a body. And it's a person sitting at a desk that's writing. But when he only sees a little piece of the picture, he doesn't understand that. You have to be able to see the whole picture in order to be able to get the proper perspective and understanding of what's going on. That's the same thing here too. Everything the Almighty does ultimately is for our benefit. We may not always see that because we're not privy to the whole picture. We're only privy to a piece of the picture, a little part of the picture. And Bakiva is telling us it's important to be able to see beyond the little, the limited image picture that we have. When a person understands that, he sees, he can really appreciate it, even if he doesn't understand the details. But he recognizes that everything is, can ultimately be for the benefit. The Talmud at the end of Tractate Makos tells us an interesting story, a well-known story, perhaps. Rabbi Kiva and a few of his friends, shortly after the destruction of the Second Temple, were climbing up near the mountain, near the Temple Mount. And they turned and saw the place where the Holy of Holies had stood, and it now had been reduced to rubble. And they saw a little fox scampering about the ruins. And the rabbi started crying. And Akiva smiled. And they, Akiva, what are you smiling about? And Akiva responded to the rabbis, I was wondering, why, why are you crying? In the, why are you crying? They said, why are we crying? Take a look over here, the Holy of Holies, the place where no human being is allowed to enter save one, the high priest, once a year on Yom Kippur. And now it's been reduced to rubble and animals running around in that. Isn't that reason for us to cry? And the Bekiva said, "That's exactly the reason why I'm smiling. Because we know that there are different prophecies. There was a prophecy of Uriah that said the temple would be totally destroyed and decimated and remain desolate. And then there was also the, prof- the prophecy of the prophet Zechariah ben brachiah who, who, who prophesied that O Yeshu Zakenim was Zekeinus bechovus Yisraelim. There will yet come a time." When the elderly men and women will sit by the sides of the street and little children playing together in the streets. And I thought to myself, that till I see the fulfillment of the per- first prophecy of Uriah, how do I know if the second prophecy will be fulfilled? But now that I see the prophecy of Uriah is fulfilled totally, to the extent there are animals running through, now I have no question whatsoever that the prophecy of Zechariah will yet be re- rebuilt also and be fulfilled. Ebikiva saw the same thing the other rabbis saw. But whereas other rabbis cried, Ebikiva smiled, Ebikiva laughed. What's the difference? The other rabbis were focused just on what they saw, the present. Ebikiva followed his own reasoning. Ebikiva is of the one that says, whatever the Almighty says, whatever the Almighty does is for the good. You can't just be fixated on the present, on the little image that you see. You have to realize that there's a bigger picture there's a broader picture that we may not be able to see. We're limited to life in this world to the 70, 80, 90 years that we're here. We can't see before. We can't see afterwards. We don't have an image of the whole picture. But Almighty looks at all of history at one time, so to say. And In the Almighty's eyes, no question about it, it'll be for the benefit. It'll be for the good. And That's why Bakiva smiled. Bakiva said, I have no doubt in my mind that the fact that the temple is destroyed in such desolation right now That itself is the greatest proof that it will yet be rebuilt in the future as well. Whatever the Almighty does is ultimately for the good. It's ultimately for the better. And for that's understanding over here too. Moshe understood too. Moshe at present, right now, please let me in. I want to be able to enter into land and pray and pray. But the Almighty tells him, listen, it's true that prayer will be allowed to allow you to get into Israel, into the land of the promised land. But when I made my decree against you, that decree is for the benefit of the Jewish people. Ultimately it would not be good for the Jewish people for you to enter into the land. Moshe is not entering into land, that ultimately the ultimate destruction of the temple, for that matter, both things are for the good. Even if we can't understand it right now, we understand and appreciate that when we see the broader picture, we'll be able to understand in the future that'll be for the benefit of the Jewish people. What a fascinating way this is to look at things, to be able to get an appreciation of what goes on in the world. We don't claim to say that we understand everything, that we're capable of understanding everything. It's far beyond our capability of being able to understand the way God runs the world. But if it shouldn't be too difficult for us to be able to recognize, though, that there is purpose and there's benefit for that matter, even in difficulty and tragedy, even in destruction, there's there's still something to be understood. There's still something to be able to appreciate. Beneficial will be beneficial in the long run. So right after Shabbos, in this parsha, we read parashas V'aschanan, the, the Haftorah, after the parsha is, Nachamu, Nachamu, Ami, Yomer, Elokeichem. It's called Shabbos Nachamu, the Shabbos of comfort. We've just gone through a Tishbav. We've just gone through the peri- experience of mourning for the loss of the two temples, the first and the second, B'Azimikdash. But now there's a recognition of Nakamu, There's a recognition of comfort too. The base may, may not yet have been re- rebuilt, but at least we can have some kind of understanding that is for our benefit. We have some kind of understanding that just like the temple was destroyed and in desolation, there will yet come a time. The Almighty has a good memory, so to say. The Almighty has something is on top on top of the, in the whole situation, and undoubtedly, just like the first part of the first part of the of his prophecies were fulfilled. The second part will yet be fulfilled, maybe speedily in our days. Have a great week, everybody. Great Shabbos, and we hope to be together again next week. Ever think about starting your own podcast? The Maverick Podcasting Network makes creating and running your podcast easy and fun. Visit maverickpodcasting.com to get started today.